A very good day to you. I'm Howard Feldman. This is your Sunday Synthesis podcast with me, Howard Feldman, and Dr. Anton Mayberg. It is Mandela Day today. It is also the Jewish fast of Av. So it is a bit of a strange day. It's been a very strange week, in fact. COVID seemed to have been ignored for some of the week, while South Africans went on a rampage and worried about all sorts of of other things like surviving. And uh, and yet here we are, we are still in the middle of a pandemic. Dr. Anton Maibe, good morning or good day to you. How are you? Good afternoon. Um, actually currently feeling quite well rested. I didn't work this weekend for a change that actually makes a big difference. So I feel like I'm ready to tackle the onslaught of the week coming on. There are oh, currently maybe it won't be Maybe it won't be an onslaught. Uh, which land you're living in, Lala land. But anyway, there are currently 190 million cases worldwide with 4 million deaths and 173 million cases resolved. The United States has 34.9 million cases with 624,000 deaths. India has 31 million cases with 413,000 deaths. And South Africa has 2,283,880 cases with 66,676 deaths and 14,701 new cases in the last 24 hours, a 29.1% test positivity rate. The Gauteng hospitals currently have 8,786 COVID patients with 1,391 in ICU and 826 currently ventilated. Right. How is it looking in terms of in, in, in terms of your experience in the last week? We know what it was like before. We are seeing the, that the numbers are coming down. In your view now, have we passed the are, are you starting to see signs that we've passed the peak? Look, there, there's no doubt in my mind that there's definitely been a shift. It's okay. a small shift, but it's a positive shift in the right direction. In other words, what we're seeing is we don't see that frenetic energy that sort of, you know, riotous, for lack of a better word, energy mm. in the mm. hospital where people are, are absolutely just in absolute disorganized chaos. And the mm. numbers have definitely started to slow down a little bit, and we definitely are going in the right direction. That being said, we're still full. We still have full ICU, still high care. We still have sort of a, a definitive need for ventilating patients that we haven't had from before, and we still are struggling to get people onto ventilators due to lack of ventilators. Okay, so all of those are still a problem. And I think I've asked this before, what is the lag between what you see in the hospitals and um, in what we're seeing in terms of diagnosis? So it's about two weeks, and I think that's kind of makes sense of what we're seeing. That doesn't take into retrospect or into respect what we've seen now in the last week with the the looting and the rioting in, in certain areas where people have been en masse together and not wearing masks. So that's going to change inflection points and that's going to change graphs. And it's going to change a whole lot of things, but we have to wait to see what's going to happen because of that. Right. And there, although that happened in both Gauteng and in KwaZulu-Natal, the, the larger amount was happening in KwaZulu-Natal. They hadn't yet peaked, have they? In fact, no, I, they I'm not even sure where they were in this process. They're definitely going upwards and um, going towards their peak, but they haven't peaked yet. Um, Western Cape are looking at maybe calling it that they may have peaked at this point in time, but KwaZulu-Natal definitely not at their peak yet, which is very worrying. Yeah, because does this mean that it's going? it might continue there? Yeah, it does. 
Okay, very, very concerning. Very concerning indeed. We, in terms of the cases that we're seeing, are, you, are they still testing to determine which variant this is? Are we seeing Delta and Beta, or are we just seeing mainly Delta? We're seeing predominantly time? Delta. Um, you know, it's got to be specific testing towards, towards working out whether it's a Delta or, or the Beta. We know we just are seeing a small amount of Beta. Um, a small cohort of patients are being tested for um, the variants, but the majority that we've seen so far is the Delta. Okay. There's been an enormous, enormous amount of questions around efficacies of, of the vaccine. And I know we've been through it before, but as week after week, uh, you know, we, we, we progress, we're seeing more and more people that have had the vaccine. So we should be able to start to see more information, I assume. What are you seeing with regard to... Uh, so Cases. I think we've got to look at the, the worldwide trends before we look at our own trends. Mm. And if you look at a country like Israel, where they've got 60% of people having had at least one vaccination, which is a big, a big number. And I mean, you're looking at that and they're now looking down the line. They're six months down the line having started vaccinations. They're looking at deciding or discussing with pertinent parties whether or not they should be getting a booster, which is a third vaccine. And that's something that needs to be sorted out and, and worked out between the health authorities and the academics to decide if it's necessary, if it's warranted. What we're seeing at the moment is that we've only got about 4 million people vaccinated in our country. That's a very small number. And of those vaccinations, only a small amount have had two vaccinations. And obviously only a small proportion have had one vaccination with the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. What we are seeing, and it's all anecdotal and from our own personal experience, what I'm seeing in the hospitals is the majority of people that are coming into hospital have not had vaccinations. And of those that are coming to hospital that have had vaccinations are the people who've had one vaccination of, let's say, the Pfizer that haven't sort of had a chance to develop the immunity. In other words, they got the infection within a week of having their vaccination from whatever means they got it. And those are the people and those are the cohort of people that we're seeing in the hospitals at the moment. So there definitely is in my mind, a shift towards people who have not been vaccinated against people who have been vaccinated getting admitted into hospital. And there's definitely a benefit we can see even from the small amount of people that have been vaccinated not landing up in hospital. That doesn't mean that they can't get sick. That doesn't mean they can't get SARS-CoV-2. It just means the propensity or the chance of getting admitted with severe COVID is a much lower. And that's obviously, that's obviously very important. A lot of people asking about the um, about the vaccines. One of the questions that, that a number of people have asked is, we seem to be seeing a lot of people getting sick within five days or a week after going for the first vaccine. Does that speak to the vaccine um, making people ill or does that maybe speak to the environment? No, I don't believe it's got anything to do with the vaccine. I think it's got to do exactly with the environment. I think when people are at the vaccine queues and people aren't wearing their masks properly or people are on top of each other due to the amount of people actually in the queues, I think that's the relationship to people actually getting COVID within the first week. That being said, it could be people who have had COVID symptoms or a day or two before the vaccine and they could have really been brewing it by then. Right, and didn't realize it. And then does, and, and, and I just want to go over this again. We did mention it last week, but I think it's quite important. If you get COVID within a few days after you receive the vaccine, what does that mean in terms so of efficacy? In terms of the efficacy and effectivity, we believe that it definitely dampens the effectivity of the vaccine. 
So if we go back to the whole scenario, if you've had COVID, let's say in January, and then you get your first Pfizer vaccine now, we don't believe you need a second Pfizer vaccine because you've got immunity from the COVID plus the first vaccine. If you have your first vaccine now and then you get COVID now, same story. So it's the same both ways. But if you have COVID within a week or two of getting your vaccine, it definitely dampens the effectivity of the vaccine. It doesn't make it null and void. And we do believe that you should have your full sort of two vaccinations if you're getting the, if you're getting the, the Pfizer vaccine. And again, lots of questions from people around those that have had the Johnson & Johnson, your advice around the, the Pfizer as well as a booster. And, and if so, is it one or is it two? Look, as I said, as I've said before, you've got to look at the ethics around getting a, another vaccination when the majority of the country hasn't been vaccinated, when they are now only starting for the above 35 years from the 1st of August. You know, I mean, it's unlikely that you, you will be able to get another booster if you've already been registered. So if you are doing it, you're doing it through sort of non-legal means. But the, the point of the matter is that the Johnson & Johnson has been touted as being extremely effective against the Delta, although we do know that there's definitely an increased immunogenicity and increased acting when you combine two different vaccines. They've seen with the AstraZeneca and the Pfizer, and they believe it could be with the same with the Johnson & Johnson. So albeit it's not a bad idea, I think wait your turn. There's definitely right. thing of waiting your turn and actually giving a chance to other people to get vaccinated first, especially if you've had one Johnson & Johnson. Uh, unsigned says, uh, um, had J&J and then got COVID. Can, is it safe now to socialize with similar people? So that's a common misconception that we're seeing all over the world at the moment. The, the biggest problem is we don't know that if you've been vaccinated, if you, are, if you have the ability to transfer the virus to other people, if you come into contact with someone who's COVID positive. So should we be socializing at the moment during this pandemic right now? No. If you do have to socialize and you are outside, make sure you wear a mask, make sure you social distance more than one and a half meters, make sure you're not eating or drinking together and make sure you do things correctly. And then it's easier to sort of fulfill the obligations of not trying to transfer the virus to anybody. And at this stage, it looks, I mean, we, we are on this lockdown level four until next week, Sunday. Do you think by then it will be reduced? Do you think our kids will be going back to school thereafter, for example? So that's what we've got to see what the community uptake is of the, of the virus, of the actual spread and the transmission of the virus. And we've got to see what's going on around. Look, obviously, it works very differently for public versus private schools with regards to being able to, to put in certain measures but it's got to do with the transmission of the virus, the safety of people around and what's going on in the environment. So obviously, if you're in an area like Kwazulu Natal and your numbers are going up dramatically, there's no chance you're going back to school. Yes. But, you know, after the 26th of, of July, when we see what the numbers are doing, we see what people are at, there might be a chance of staggering. I don't know. It's got to be decided according to what the numbers are and where we are at that point. But assuming it follows this, this the trajectory that it's on, uh, for another week, would you think that it's a possibility in Gauteng? I think there's a, I think there's a possibility of, of, of something happening. I wouldn't say full scale, but I think maybe staggered in smaller uh, smaller sort of classes, maybe one class or one sort of grade for a, a few days to see to test the waters, basically. But I think it would be safe if the numbers are going down and the community transmission is going down. Hmm. 
Um, Lise uh, wants to know what is the best combination of medicine, medication for the side effects after the Pfizer. I know that they say Panada, but can one also take anti-inflammatories or a muscle relaxant? So the general thought process is that if you're having any vaccine, you shouldn't have any paracetamol, anything an hour or two before you have the, a few hours before you have the vaccine or post the vaccine. With the COVID vaccine, however, you are allowed to take paracetamol after you've had the, the vaccination to dampen the effects of the fever, to dampen the effects of the muscle aches. Uh, preferably, I would take paracetamol rather than anti-inflammatories, albeit there's no major problem taking anti-inflammatory, but it's probably safer to take paracetamol as prescribed. Mm, I find that you in general are an anti-inflammatory hater, but we're not going to go there right now. We're going to move straight on. What about exercise after the vaccines? Okay, so, I mean, fr from the outset, you've got to understand that the virus itself can damage the heart muscle, and that's very important. And if you've got lingering symptoms, you've got shortness of breast, you've got muscle pain, you've got loss of stamina, you've got exhaustion, it's a no-brainer, don't exercise. But what you've got to focus on, let's say, if you have been affected with COVID and you are an athlete or you want to exercise, whilst you are quarantined or isolated, you have to rest you have to have good hydration and you've got to have proper nutrition. Those are the cornerstones of getting better from your regarding going to training point of view. Right. If you test positive, you shouldn't do any exercise for that at least 10 to 14 day period whilst you're sick. Now, if you've had mild or asymptomatic disease, you can have a gradual return to exercising after that two week period but you've got to work it out according to how you're feeling at the time. So if you're coughing, if you're short, if shortness of breath, you shouldn't be exercising. If you've got any lingering symptoms, if you're going to start and you've had mild or moderate disease, then start according to a program. So this is just sort of a, a rough guide, but start mm. working out, let's say for three or four days for about 15 minutes at less than 70% of your maximum heart rate. After that, if that's working well for you, you don't have symptoms, you don't have fever, you're not coughing, you're not short of breath, then increase it to less than 80% of your heart rate and do it for about 30 minutes and gradually increase that over a two-week period. If, however, you've had moderate or severe disease, you have to be checked out by your healthcare practitioner, whether it's your GP, whether it's your specialist, whether or not you need an ECG, blood test, stress ECG, to make sure that you don't have a myocarditis or that you're fit enough to get back into an exercise regime. Would somebody know that? I mean, would they would they have any symptoms or, that they could look out for before if they've had, let's say, mild COVID or, or moderate? Yeah, sorry, moderate. So, I mean, chest pain, palpitations, um, shortness of breath, all those type of things would be indications that there's something not right. Right. But, but really what you're saying is the safest thing is just don't exercise for the next year or so. None of us, because you never know if you've had COVID. I uh, speechless. <laughs> right, the, proof, the proof of the pudding. The proof of the pudding. Right. Who are you calling a pudding? Right now, uh, let's go on to some of our other questions. Um, how, okay, how, again, another question about running. People are very, very concerned about it. Um, is there such a thing as catching a virus? This is an interesting question from Eddie. He says, "Is there such a thing as catching the virus less or worse?" Uh, such as catching, let's say, a, a higher or lower 
viral load? And the reason I like this question is because I'm totally fascinated by the fact that we see some families that it, it has the most tremendous, tremendous impact and others where a few people have got COVID and it does seem to be mild. Is that, is that genetics or is that about the viral load? Do we know? So it's probably a combination of all of that. And the answer is we don't have an answer to that. We don't know why X gets this type of sort of syndromic virus and Y gets extremely mild or asymptomatic virus. What we did see in the first and second wave is it was generally related to one family member. What we're seeing now is multiple family members in the same household are getting the virus. And that's got to do with the transmissibility of the virus. So with the Delta virus, it's a far highly more transmissible virus than the beta virus. That being said, the beta virus itself has got its own issues, but the delta virus is highly transmissible, and that's why we're seeing people in the same house getting sicker. So it does have to do with a bit of the viral load. You know, we do see that in asymptomatic people, they've got a low viral load. Does that mean they're less contagious? Does it mean that they, they can't sort of develop into a worse pattern over time? It doesn't. But it does mean that you still are sick with the virus and you still can get sequelae consequences of that virus. Uh, Kim wants to know if you could, and uh, when available, would you vaccinate 20 to 25-year-olds? So I think if you follow the international guidelines and you follow what the CDC are doing and the FDA recommended, the answer would be yes. I mean, they are vaccinating children over the age of 12. So when the time is right, then I would vaccinate over over 12-year-olds. Right now, though, the next step is to vaccinate people over the age of 35, and that's happening on the 1st of August. How long after my second Pfizer can I expect some uh, partial immunity? So we say that within the after the first Pfizer, it takes about seven to fourteen days to get about thirty to forty percent immunity. And another week or two after the second Pfizer, you should develop your immunity. That being said, just because you developed immunity doesn't mean you can't transfer the virus to somebody else. And it doesn't mean you can't get attacked by a different variant. And that's a very important point, because even if you do get a different variant, you are still covered by the vaccine against severe or critical disease against hospitalization. That's what we're seeing from the majority of the vaccines. And even in the case of Israel, where they're worried about the Delta variant causing trouble there and why they want a third booster, is that the majority of cases are not being admitted into hospital and are not severe or critical, even though the uptake against the Delta variant is not as great as it was against the other variants. Uh, but Jenna wants to know how soon after giving birth is it advised to have your first vaccine? I mean, at least so, one, you've got to wait for the epidural to wear off, I imagine. I think that's a very, very pertinent point, yeah. But I mean, if you don't have an epidural, so if you oh, actually go yeah. through the, uh -huh. the very uncommon natural birth, um, right. then there's actually no time period to wait to have the vaccination post-birth. Um, you can wait a few days if you're feeling unwell, maybe a week or maybe two weeks, but there's no definitive need to wait any lengthy period of time to get vaccinated post-childbirth. Susan wants to know, is it safe for a person who has had two vaccinations to be visited by a person who has had COVID and recovered from COVID, obviously socially distancing and keeping masks on? I think it goes back to the question we asked earlier on, you know, mm. just because you've had it doesn't mean you protect it from transferring it to other people. We don't know if that person, which variant that person has had, if they've had the beta variant, if they've had the delta variant, can they transfer that across? And I think you've got to be very responsible. And if you are seeing people, see them outside, socially distance, wearing your masks, not taking your masks off and following all the rules. 
Kim wants to know, do you think COVID will affect lootopreneurs? There's a word we never thought we would have to say (laughs) on this podcast. I I think so. I think that we're going to see a spark in the numbers in KwaZulu-Natal, albeit that the the numbers are also a lot uh, higher of the looters in in Gauteng. They were far higher in in KwaZulu-Natal, and I think we're going to see a broader increase in the numbers there than we are in Gauteng. Peter wants to know, what kind of protocols do we need to observe following two weeks after the second Pfizer vaccine? So right now, because we've only got a very small proportion of our community, of the country vaccinated, we keep to the same same protocols. Don't change your protocols. We can't take off masks. We can't be with people who have been vaccinated and take our masks off. We have to get a greater herd immunity or greater amount of people vaccinated before we can change our our way of living or our way of life. It just means that, as we say, that because you have been vaccinated, you have a lesser chance now of developing severe or critical disease, please God. A number of people asking about herd immunity. We used to speak a lot about that in the beginning, trying to reach herd immunity between vaccinations and people who have recovered. Is this is this still achievable? And, uh, and if somebody has had COVID, which is part two of the question, if someone's had COVID but has been asymptomatic, do they, do they assist with re- uh, reaching herd immunity? So yes, if you develop antibodies, then you're definitely going to assist with, with developing your herd immunity. We've said that, in, we've always thought that herd immunity number varies between about 65 to 75%. And that's the amount of the population we want to vaccinate or people to have immunity in order that we can develop this herd immunity. That being said, we look at the numbers here, only about 4 million vaccinated. We don't know how many people in this country have had asymptomatic infection, but I still strongly believe that we've got a higher number of infected asymptomatic people than we know about. And if you look at the numbers across our country, or being it's a pandemic, we've only got 2 million people who've been infected and only 60 plus thousand deaths in this country, which if you look at the numbers and look at the degree of vaccination is not massive. And that's why I'm saying there's definitely an inherent immunity in certain population groups that is developing without the people knowing that they've had the infection. So I think we're heading towards that, but we need far more people vaccinated before we can get excited. Is there any good news? So I think there is good news. Um, we've seen that the hospital numbers are starting to stabilize and definitely that frenetic energy is coming down. We've seen that the, the peak in Gauteng, we've sort of coming down over that peak and we're starting to get things contained at the moment. So I do believe there is some positivity and I do believe now there is a light at the end of this tunnel compared to where we were at two weeks ago. And I, considering it's Mandela Day, I think I should quote from, um, from Madiba and say as follows. There can be no greater gift than that of giving one's time and energy to help others without expecting anything in return. Love that. Absolutely love that. I'm Howard Feldman. This has been the Sunday Synthesis podcast on this Mandela Day. I think the most important thing is to take the day, but extend it. It is not just a day. It's a journey. Be kind. We'll see you next week. Be safe and God bless. A very good morning to you. I'm Howard Feldman. It's not morning, it's afternoon. It's it's a pertinent point. (laughs) 
Like 12 o'clock, I just mark out your, your vacuum days, 12 o'clock morning afternoon. Can we please mute him until we get this going? All right, let's try that again, man. Why One. is Heidi so ratty? Is she fasting? Heidi is so... <laughs> you see, there's my proof. And a pulmonologist and physician, Dr. Anton Myberg. Okay, we have to start again. There's somebody screaming. <laughs> uh, why now? I'm Howard Feldman. This is your Sunday. <laughs> what? What? What are you doing? We've, he's actually eventually, he's, he's now snapped, Marco. Yeah, he's now lost it completely. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> okay, hold on. Let me just pull the camera to me. I think <laughs> it is just too this much. is our last this podcast ever. We are currently putting this on self-destruction. No one's going to watch this. You want to watch us after this? All right, let's start again. All right, shall we start that? I knew it. Like I had a feeling today. All right, one, two, three.